Two sisters lived on separate sides of the states. One in NYC and the other LA. They both moved to Chicago and decided to stay. Now here's their playful podcast packed with Kid Lit Parlay. Children's books. Are they really that great? Talking children's books is with Kate and Fuse 8. Children's books. Why, what, and how? Fuse 8 and Kate will break it down for you now. I got a question for you. Shoot. And I am opening this up to anybody listening to this because if they have suggestions of their own, I would like them very much to write us at fusekate at gmail.com. The question in question is, I listen to a lot of podcasts of brothers. I can think of three off the top of my head. I know very few of sisters. I mean, I had this one. But beyond that, I just don't know many. Can you recommend a podcast, an amusing podcast, with sisters? Sure can't. Yeah. So that's a problem. And uh, I think that's going to become my little soapbox. I'm going to be like, more funny sisters, more funny sisters. Okay. That's what I want to see more of. Or or hear, because it's a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying. Maybe that's why we don't get as many. (laughs) All right, good point. Good point. Yes, hear them then. Um, but you know what? I got at least one podcast I can listen to, and it's this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. What is this podcast? The Sister Podcast. Called? Sisters. Nope. Sisters. That is not. There were never such those sisters. Yes, there were. Um, <laughs> no, it's called Fuse and Kate. Oh. Kate. And, uh, and what's it about? Sister. No. <laughs> Sister. I just, I just walked right into that one, yep. didn't I? Yes, uh, well, you're not wrong. I mean, it is about sisters who read picture books. All right. And determine if they are good or crap. And uh, I've been doing very well with a variety of them recently. But uh, I got to say, today's book is... Has sisters? Not one. Oh. Zero sisters. I'm going for zero sisterage on this one. I thought you were going with a theme today. I am not. That was your theme. (laughs) I guess guess it would have made sense. I was the one who introduced the topic. So, yeah, that would have made a lot of sense. No, not a single sister. There's crows. Are the crows sisters? Maybe. I don't know. Talk to the crows. Ask them. I don't know. One of my favorite Instagram pages I like to follow is The Rabbit Hole. I've mentioned them before. They are an Explorastorium in Kansas City. Uh, they are opening, I think, very soon. I don't think they're open yet. They're going to be massive, and they, they are based on picture books. Left, right, and center. All kinds of picture books. They are so good at Book Face Fridays. You know, where you hold up a book, and it's like the thing. They're the kings and queens and whatever else royalty you want to name of Book Face Friday. But they rent- mentioned this book recently. And I was like, I know that book, but we have never done that book. And I'm very excited because, uh, well, I'm just kind of curious as what you'll think of it. You ready? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Bye. Taro Yashima? Yes, Taro Yashima. Now, what's so interesting about this is that I believe this is a translation from 1955. Wow. So that's interesting. You didn't get a lot of translated children's picture books back in the 50s. Uh, this is one of the few, as I understand it. Though I could be wrong. Why don't you take this book and read this book? Okay. Okay.
While Kate does her read, let's get some background information on Taro Yoshima. And I've already completely misspoke in the course of this podcast, uh, because Crowboy is by no means an import. Uh, this book was published here, and it received a 1956 Caldecott honor, so right there. Uh, it was even translated into Japanese by Taro himself in 1979 later. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, Taro Yoshima was actually, uh, he was born in Japan. He immigrated to the United States in 1939, and he assisted quite heavily in the U.S. war effort. Um, back in Japan, he had studied at the uh, Tokyo Fine Arts School, and he and a lot of other artists started protesting against the military. Um, basically, they were creating artist post posters that were protesting the aggression in China, um, but this did not go well. Both he and his wife, who was pregnant at the time, were imprisoned uh, because of their opposition to the military. Uh, they had to leave. So they left Japan in 1939 for the United States, and he immediately began working for the OSS. Later, he decided that he would start writing books. So he did write initially for adults. He did these 310-page autobiographical uh, picture books for adults about his life. And in them, he wrote, at least in there was uh, The New Sun, that was one of them. And then the sequel was Horizon is Calling. And in the sequel, he mentions a teacher um, that he really liked who had been killed in action after being drafted into the military service. And this is actually the basis of the kind teacher that you will see in Crowboy. So, eh. Who knew? What does the crow say? Right? Yeah, probably. Yeah, I assume so. That was my best crow. It wasn't a bad crow. Thank you. Yeah, I had an owl outside my uh, my house the other day. Did you know that? That does not sound like a crow. It does not at all. It sounds like an owl. <laughs> I was very impressed. I was thinking of uh, the Schitt's Creek movie that Moira is in, The Crowening. <laughs> Because the crows gotten to that season yet. Oh Aww. yeah, so she's in a movie called The Crows Have Eyes, and it has a sequel <laughs> called The Crowening. Of course it does. Yeah, that's fantastic. Where she becomes a crow. Anyway, Aww. so right, I read a book. Yeah, you did about a boy named Chibi, mm -hmm. uh, which when I initially read it, I thought it was Chidi from Aww, the, the Good from Place. From the Good Place, it's yeah. not. Well, it's okay. <laughs> um, however. I do not, let me just start off by saying, okay. I, do, I do not recommend you read this book after you just watched the Netflix documentary series about John Wayne Gacy. <laughs> because Probably safe advice for most children's books, but why this one in particular? <laughs> um, because, well, in he would put his victims in the crawl space of his house. Right. And this, oh, there's a lot of crawl space. And this book starts with, there was, um, on the first day of school... There was this boy missing because he was found hidden in the dark space underneath the schoolhouse floor. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. Please. <laughs> Please let him be okay. Oh, no, he's fine. He was just hiding. Oh, good. <laughs> well, aren't we glad. What are you doing watching John Wayne Gacy documentaries? It's quite interesting. I, I recommend bet it's it. interesting. It's on but... Netflix for a limited series. Yeah, anyway. but. So, anyway. uh, also, this uh, entire book, it looks like it's done in colored pencils. Yeah. Which is impressive. It is, because it's really, really hard to draw with colored pencils. Yes. I don't care who you are. Yeah. It's shockingly difficult. Yeah, and he does yeah. a really good job. I'm assuming this is a he. It is a he. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I had to check that myself. Yes, it was um, a 
And this this boy is he's very antisocial. He he was afraid of the kids. He couldn't make friends with any of them. He was always by himself during study time. He wouldn't he, play with the other kids. He was always by himself. Um, he was always like tagging along. And uh, soon he decided that he would just cross his eyes to make sure that he could not see uh, like the other kids making fun of him. Is it possible that he's on the spectrum in some way? I'm getting there, Betsy. I mean, yeah, it I'm just ge- seems like... I'm getting there. Hold on. Okay, hold okay. on. Okay, okay. Um, but, I'm sorry, but these illustrations are terrifying. Uh, okay, at, which ones? At least these these beginning ones are. So, like, I like how in the illustration where he, like, his eyes are crossed and he's kind of doubling the image, you know, yeah, like you would yeah. when your eyes are crossed. It's cool that he he's able oh, to Oh, whoa, that's really cool that, in the art. Yeah. Right, in the art... However, um, one, the bullies are terrifying. Oh, yeah. Well, bullies are terrifying. Um, but yeah, those are, wow. Strangely, yeah. oddly looking. They're, yeah, it's interesting. They're not like, I wouldn't call them overextended or anything. It's just, it almost, I wonder if it's supposed to be like his perception of them. Because they are terrifying looking. Yeah. yeah. Um, the teacher has a Charlie Chaplin mustache and is yellow. I'm sorry. I don't yeah. like how all yeah. the people depicted in this book are yellow. I don't like that either. It makes and me And I'm wondering if he was told to do it. I mean, he is himself from Japan. I wonder if he was told, like, yeah, you know, here in America, we like uh, we like our our Asian characters to all be yellow. I so mean, it was the 50s. That? It was the 50s. And this is, you know, story of Ping had already come out. You know, we've got a lot yeah, it's, of... It's not great, though. I'm not a it's fan. It's not great. I, I feel like it could easily be remedied digitally. Not, should one not repeat, all of them are, are, are yellow. No, though. not all of everybody. Just so I don't know what, yeah. what decision was made there. But... I don't know. Right. So, um, but he finds uh, other ways to kill time at school. Um, since he has to be there, he can't make friends. So he decides to, you know, I'm going to stare at the ceiling for hours. I'm going to look out the window, especially when it's raining, there's always new things to see. I'm going to look at the pattern on the boy that's in front of me on his shirt. I'm going to look at the pattern on his shoulder and study that for a few hours. It was when he, when it says that he could watch and hold insects, um, that I was like, oh, okay. So it's hard for him to make friends. Mm -hmm. He has sensory overload. Very much seems to have sensory overload. He yeah. can focus on one particular thing for hours. Mm-hmm. That's what made me think he was on the spectrum. Yeah, it's entirely, entirely a pos- possible. And it's not, obviously it's not named because children's books simply didn't name that sort of thing back then. Right. It was almost like you have to read between the lines. Um, and all the kids in school make fun of him. They call him stupid they call him slowpoke. i'm surprised that they actually say stupid in the book yeah well no i think it comes up in books once in a while yeah years go on and then finally he's in the sixth grade and there's a new teacher who is not you know in school bus yellow uh, yeah that's interesting the skin tones are come well i mean there's like hints but it's not like yeah the last teacher yeah interesting. so this new teacher um, i wonder if it's supposed to denote age Maybe. Maybe, yeah. I don't know. But this new teacher comes in. He's the sixth grade teacher. He's super friendly. He listens. Modern. He listens (laughs) to Chibi. um, And he's amazed by all the things that Chibi knows. Like, 
Chibi knows all the flowers in the class garden and he does these beautiful illustrations and the teacher like takes it upon himself to kind of boost this kid's uh, self-esteem mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. by, you know, like hanging up his drawings and giving him the attention that he's been lacking for years, years and, and years and years. And years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so there's a talent show that happens at the school and Chibi decides to participate, which is huge. That is huge. Um, and it's with the help of his teacher. And all these kids are like, um, what is that guy like doing up on the stage? Until the teacher says that Chibi is going to imitate the voices of crows. Not make crow sounds. No. But, but the, the voices. Voice, specific voices. Yeah. And at this point, this is where I wish it was an audiobook. Because I want to hear mm-hmm. how he first imitates the voice of a newly hatched crow. Oh, yeah. And then the voice of the mother's voice, the mother crow. And then the voice of the father crow. And then the crows in the morning. And then the crows when they make noises when something bad happens. And the how the sound of crows when they're happy. Um, and then he makes the noise of a crow that is on this far mountainside which is probably where chibi lives mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i wonder if this was ever turned into like an audiobook because picture books are sometimes and i wonder if they did turn into an audiobook if they even bothered to yeah if to do these different types of quests. i would hope so it's and if they were accurate to that extent right well and then uh chibi makes this it says it's the sound in in the deep part of his throat and it's spelled K-A-U-U-W-W-A-T-T. Okay. Like a... How would you pronounce that? Quack! Quack! Yeah. Like that? Yeah. Quack! Quack! Yeah. Uh-huh. Which, yeah, that could be like That's a, definitely a crow sound. Right? Yeah. And that's a good spelling. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Because that's really hard to do. Right? That's some onomatopoeia there. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was pretty impressive. Um, but at this point, everyone can now exactly picture where it is that Chibi and his family live. This, everyone in the audience knows crow noises as well. Apparently. And they, <laughs> they know, know it well enough the, to be like, and they oh, all know, okay. oh, wow, that noise is from this particular region on the other mountain side of the mountainside. And <laughs> it's from this particular <laughs> village that is really far away. As we have studied crows ourselves. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right, right, yes. Well, at this point, um, all, all the, the kids... They just start crying because they feel bad about how they've treated him all these long years. No, this is... I mean, that's sort of wish fulfillment, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, no. But, there is... Yeah. I, do you actually think kids would cry when they come to this realization? No. I mean, it would be great. Who wouldn't want that? But humans in general aren't great with that. Kind I, of stuff, I guarantee you know? that the bullies... Maybe one kid might have. Yeah. But but not the whole... Not the bullies. The oh, bullies no. wouldn't have cared. No, the bullies would not have cared. But they might have pretended maybe i don't know but some of the grown-ups wiped their eyes and they said that yes mm-hmm. well the grown-ups i'm gonna believe that yeah sure well if but. they know who this kid is do you know true i don't know every <laughs> classmate of my child's classroom no not and at where all. they live and my kids and just if, had a talent show at their school and I, if those kids have been bullied for years on end do you know this i would be the no. last person to know any of that information no not at all so, um, so graduation day comes, he was honored for perfect attendance all these years, even though he came from very far away, he never missed a day of school. And, uh, and after school is over, he comes to the village to sell charcoal that he and his family makes. 
and people don't call him by his name anymore. They all call him Crowboy. Hmm. Okay. Do you think Chibi preferred his name or the nickname they gave gave him? And I ask because on the next page it says that he would nod and smile as if he liked the name. But did anyone? Oh, I don't know. Ask him. Probably not. If he's not good with social interactions, yeah, he's you, not about to correct you. Yeah, yeah, if, yeah. If you want to get out of the situation, you just smile and nod. Yeah. You're stuck with that name, probably for life. Right. Yeah. But no one even asked. Well, that's not how nickname, you don't ask someone if they want a nickname. Usually you just bestow it on them. And boy, they better hope they like that nickname because that's them. (sighs) Yeah. Well, he, he, you know, he, he sells some charcoal. He gets some stuff for his family and he goes back to the other side of the mountain and he makes a crow call a happy one. The end. Okay. It's kind of a uh, virtuous teacher book, like the the good that comes with a good teacher type of story. Though there is a... I have a different take. Really? What's your take? Are we get, let me know when we get to ratings time. <laughs> the author did return, so he, he moved here from Japan uh, just before World War II, and then worked for America for the OSS, and then it wasn't until... Gosh, it wasn't until like the 70s that he actually went back to his home village. Uh, He had a quote here. Let children enjoy living on this earth. Let children be strong enough not to be beaten or twisted by evil on this earth. So there's that. And uh, yeah, so he went back to it a little bit. He was pretty popular. He produced quite a few children's books. And then he actually, um, they produced a 26-minute documentary uh, of him returning back home, well, quote unquote home, back to the village that he grew up in, uh, called Taro Yoshima's Golden Village. Hmm. Uh, so if anyone wants to try to track that one down. I'm uh, sure it's on YouTube. Everything's on YouTube. Sure. Right? All the documentaries are on YouTube. <laughs> I tell you what, I will look for it on YouTube, and if I find it, I will embed it. Okay. Ratings time. Okay, so this is the story of a boy who gets picked on. Mm-hmm. Shows off something cool, mm-hmm. makes the bullies realize that they were wrong, and then they befriend him. Have we not seen this before? Well, this was 1950s that we saw this, so this is one of the earliest incarnations of this. You've shown me this type of Sure, but they came before. after this. I mean, this is early for that kind of story. But you said that this is the story of a good teacher. Oh, yeah, I think I that is supposed to be part of it. I think it's part of it, but if anything, it's bullies do bad things bullies see something cool bullies then want to befriend the cool person right like i don't know if the bullies did befriend him i think they just felt vaguely bad for having teased him but i don't think he became their bud i mean he still is called crow boy when he goes to the town maybe that's maybe because that's like the one thing they know about him now Right, maybe that's a compliment. Now? It probably they probably think. It's I mean, a they don't call him stupid anymore. And that's right. what they were calling no, him. No, it's before. a step up. So, and, and he probably, you know, from what we saw, he doesn't get bullied when he comes to the village. They have, right. that sounds like an affectionate nickname that right. he's been given. That's a gift. You know, that's a that's a step up. Well, between that and some of the really creepy illustrations, including the cover page, I'm sorry, but that you is. You mean the cover itself? Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's not an attractive cover. It's, it's uh, 
It's its own thing. He's yellow. He's very yellow. With it no is teeth. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, in that shot, sure. But, uh, yeah. It's it's just, and he doesn't have like a, a scarf around his head any other time in the book. It is a, it's an odd choice for the cover. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny. This I got you one of the original books. Uh, subsequently, they've made much smaller versions of this story, which I'm not even sure how they could. These The art, unless they've cut off the top or bottom of the art, I'm going to have to compare this to other editions of this because th- this size is the only size that makes sense to me. Yeah, I, yeah. I just wasn't a fan. I gave it a four. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, we don't know why the characters are sometimes portrayed as yellow and sometimes are not. It's clearly a book where it's not relying on cultural stereotypes. It feels very authentic. It feels like it comes from, I mean, you know, it feels like the author knows from village life and what schooling is like and what teachers are like. And, you know, it seems to come from an authentic place. Um, The yellow in America certainly is associated with negative cultural stereotypes and so has not aged well um it's not universal though as you say not every character is depicted with this yellow shading so i'm i'm again this is one of those cases where i'd love to hear from an art director from the time period so if anyone can find me the art director from 1955 i'd be awfully grateful (laughs) uh unless they're most likely dead which they are in fact most likely dead the story is fine. Um, I'm uh, yeah, like you. I'm not overwhelmed by it. Uh, yeah, I don't necessarily mean to say that I want a moral. I don't care to have necessarily a moral. I and I think there are things about this I really like, like the distinguishing between the different crow cries. But like yourself, um, you know, there's good to it. There's stuff I would change. I'm not overwhelmed by it myself. I'm probably more like a five. Okay, with our scores combined, it is just barely not a classic. Just barely not a classic. But This this is not a book that I would pull off a bookshelf. Not necessarily, but I will say this. uh, It's not the only book he did. There's one other that is particularly well-known. So we may get to that one someday, and we may find it that we like it more. Who's to say? It's it's a challenge. Letters time. All right, two letters here. Two letters. And the first one comes from illustrator Sarah Brannon, who, as I recall, she is the one who uh, depicted myself as a beaver and you as as a a spiky thing. That's great. Yes. (laughs) And she writes, Hello, I was shocked when I heard you and Kate were talking about the dot. I couldn't believe it was published 20 years ago, but then it turned out it wasn't. So now I can't believe it was published 19 years ago. (laughs) We had an old family photo album full of people about whom I know nothing, but my favorite two-page spread is attached, the creepy twins, and observe the name of the one on the left. And if I'll be putting it up, but the one on the left is named Vashti Gilpatrick next to an Ethel. I've always been curious about this girl and why she was named Vashti. It seems kind of surprising for 19th century Maine or Wisconsin or wherever they lived. Google tells me it's an old Persian name meaning beautiful. So, huh. Huh. I don't know. All right. Well, thank you, Sarah. We did not know that. The other letter uh, comes from Marie, and this one is fascinating. It kind of clarifies something. This is not the full letter. I had to knock it down a little bit uh, because it was a bit long, but I'll try to get through here. 
Hi, Betsy and Kate. I found you a while back on Instagram, but hadn't heard your podcast until I saw your post about they were strong and good. I and like my... that people find us on Instagram and then listen to us. Yeah, it is Usually interesting, right? You around. would think it'd be the other way around, yeah. but no. Until I saw your podcast about they were strong and good, and my curiosity was the push I needed to start listening to the podcast. I am so glad I did. I would have written to you sooner, but I had to listen to 19 of your previous <laughs> podcasts first because I wondered if anyone else had already made the comment I planned to make. No one had. So here I am. There is a homeschool curriculum called Five in a Row, or I'm just going to call it FIAR because it's F-I-A-R. For ages, FIAR. <laughs> for ages four to eight-year-olds, it uses a selection of children's picture books to teach several subjects. Social studies, language arts, science, applied math, and art. Have Parents, you ever heard of this? I've never heard of this. Huh. Um, but basically, uh, she says the setup is that the parent would read the title five days in a row, hence the name of the curriculum, introducing a new subject each day, allowing the student to see the book in a new way with each additional reading. Oh, that's cool. Your podcast has covered 19 titles included in this curriculum, one of which is the title, They Were Strong and Good. I couldn't wait to hear your opinions on this title. You are not wrong in your rating of a one. This is the only title in VR that I did not read five days in a row, and I also never repeated it later, as recommended in the curriculum manual, because of the multiple learning opportunities. We focused on how we can learn about our ancestors and created a family tree, and my children interviewed multiple family members that represented different generations as their major project. But the curriculum is geared toward young children, and it does not address the racism in it at all. That's a problem. Mm-hmm, that's a problem. It does not address the racism in it at all. However, I felt that to not introduce that enslaving people was completely wrong would have been a huge disservice to their learning. In your podcast, you both wondered why this is in print. My answer, fiar. Over the years, fiar. Fiar. <laughs> Over the years, fiar titles would go out of print, and then they would be incredibly expensive to purchase simply because this curriculum increased the demand. Several books came back in print because of FIAR. To the company's credit, they recently updated their manuals and removed They Are Strong and Good from good. the second edition. I know this was very long. Sorry. I really <laughs> enjoy your podcast, and now it is in rotation with my audiobooks. Aww. Thank you, Marie. And you really... She actually includes uh, a list of the 18 FIAR titles that we have covered, I will include that in the show notes of uh, the podcast in case people are curious. Cool. Yeah. Pyar. Pyar. <laughs> Grown up things we like. So, uh, have you ever heard of Heather McMahon? Um, the name sounds familiar, but I couldn't tell you why. She's a comedian. Uh, she's based out of Atlanta, and she just had a sold-out show at the Chicago Theater this past weekend, and I got tickets to see her. That's why her name's familiar. I saw it on your Instagram. <laughs> yes. If anyone saw last year, there was a Netflix Christmas movie called Love Hard. She was the comedic relief in that. Um, I really like her because she's very raw and real and unapologetic. Um, she has this podcast called Absolutely Not, where folks can call in with their absolutely's or their absolutely nots. Um, but she mainly just talks and jokes about things that's happening in her life. Um, she's going through uh, fertility treatments and she talks about what a mess that has been. <laughs> she's like, how are you trusting me with all these needles? And she didn't know that you weren't supposed to put just like make pre-batches. And so uh, she lost $20,000. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's not good. No. No. But she makes it funny. Uh, she, she better at that point. That's twenty thousand dollars. Uh, she talks about her dead dad. She talks about her Bostonian mom. She talks about her Italian stallion husband, and she, <laughs> and she has this adorable French bulldog called and get ready for this name. I'm ready. Rigatoni 
Cannoli, Gandolfini, Daniels. Because <laughs> her husband's last name is Daniels. Gotcha. So. Uh, yeah, so she's very much herself, which is very refreshing. So I recommend uh, go check her on Instagram at Heather K. McMahon. Listen to her podcast, absolutely not. Go see her on tour and have a good laugh because I was in stitches all night and it was worth it. Wonderful. Yeah. I am doing a 180 degree uh, tonally different grown-up thing I like from you. Um, a very, very sad thing. So there is a wonderful children's author illustrator named Elisha Cooper. He has been nothing but nice to me for years when I worked at the Jefferson Market branch in Greenwich Village. He also lived in Greenwich Village and he did these huge murals of animals all over um, these big canvases which we hung up on the walls and he painted a great lion on the door and then I came here to work in Evanston. He handmade these wooden signs based on different things in Evanston uh, and for the children's room and the ones for picture books and ones that, you know, it shows um, a bear and its cub for the cubs and the bears, I guess, which is, yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. And it's got our lighthouse and, and he's just the nicest guy, but Sadly, recently, he wrote this lovely tribute to his brother who had died. Um, it's on Literary Hub, and the piece is called A Quiet Reply to a Life Cut Short After a Profound Loss, How to Honor the Dead. Um, he has written many wonderful pieces for adults as well. He actually wrote an entire book or two about when his daughter had cancer. Um, she recovered. It is very touching. It is very raw. It is very good. Uh, and so I highly recommend it, and I will include a link in the show notes. That is the complete opposite of I know! It was, it, we did not plan it this way. It's just we happen to do, if people are in the mood for something funny, they can go with you. And if they're in the mood to cry, uh, they, they can should, go with you. They can go with me. And they, that's why we're sisters! Yeah! Sisters! Sisters, you need to learn the words. Man. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. It's it's a Christmas thing, right? Yes. Right. So that'll be my Christmas present to you. I'll learn the lyrics to Sisters. <laughs> Almost a hundred years after they came out. Yes. And until I do that, <laughs> I've been Betsy. Okay. Bye. Fuse Eight and Kate is a Fuse Number Eight production. You can reach us at FuseKate8 at gmail.com. You can follow our podcast on Twitter at Fuse underscore Kate. You can follow us on Instagram at Fuse8Kate. That's Fuse number 8 Kate. Listen to us on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, or Player FM. Or follow us on iTunes and rate our podcast if you're so inclined. Our music is by Haddon Kime, and our boy crow is Drew Etienza. Fuse8 and Kate is a creation of Kate, Etienza, and Betsy Bird.